Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast. We are a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, and this is your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. As always, I'm joined alongside uh, LJ LaFiora, uh, who is a the the uh, the Boston Red Sox a beat writer for Belly Up Sports. LJ, how are you doing tonight? We are doing just great. I mean, it's about 2.15 Eastern, and I'm very excited to talk about these games today. Brandon, I've started to notice the time of the evening just has no con- – I have no concept for it anymore. No. I, I, you know, ever since we started recording these late uh, after the last West Coast game ends, certainly my sleep schedule has taken a hit but my overall productivity has not dipped whatsoever oh. it's just like my my body sort of is adjusted to being up until three or four in the morning every single night and then waking up later it's just like it's 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 tough sometimes to be up for class in the morning I'm not gonna lie but uh no, I mean, I don't hate it. I mean hey we we get to talk about the MLB every single night so I'm not complaining. Oh, I, yeah, I cannot complain. Absolutely. Uh, it's certainly better than getting up in the morning. It's just that was, those were um, not the most fun to motivate yourself for, to say the least. But let's get on into this. Let's get right into it. Uh, we'll start with the series that still everyone has been talking about, and that is the Padres and the Dodgers. Tonight's game, once again, did not fail to impress us. Uh, let's get into it. The Padres jump out to an early 2-0 lead thanks to a Fernando Tatis Jr. home run and then a Jurickson Profar single. So they would lead 2-0 after the second inning. The Dodgers would have it tied, though, uh, going into the fifth inning as they got RBI singles from uh, Justin Turner and Sheldon Noisy. Fernando Tatis Jr. then goes yard again, his second straight game with two home runs, and that makes it 3-2 to two San Diego. In the bottom of the sixth, the Dodgers offense would come through in a big way. It was a walk to a, to a Mookie Betts, and then a Corey Seager single, which scored two, which gave the Dodgers a 5-3 to three lead, and they would hold on and go on to win 5-4. to four. 
give the win to Trevor Bauer, who uh, started for the, the Dodgers. He goes six innings, allowing five hits, two earned runs, and striking out nine. A very fine performance from him. The loss goes to Pierce Johnson out of the San Diego bullpen. He was the first pitcher to come in after Blake Snell got pulled. Johnson is now 0-1 on the year. He goes zero innings. He didn't get a single out, allowing three hits and three runs. Blake Snell for the Padres started. Uh, he went five and a third, allowing seven hits, two runs, and seven Ks. And you can give the save to Kenley Jansen, his fifth of the year. He gets a four-out save. So now the Dodgers improved to 15 and six. The Padres fall to 12 and seven. Game seven, or excuse me, 12 and 11. Game seven of the season series is today with Joe Musgrove taking on a Dustin May. And LJ, this series sits at three games apiece currently. So, uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say about these these games anymore. It seems like every night we we go into it and we're saying there's no way that they can impress us as as much as they have, and they absolutely are doing that. Is it is it, it's three games apiece? Yes. So the Padres won two in this series, and the Dodgers won two in last series, and the Padres won one, and because the Dodgers won tonight. That puts it at three and three. Was la- oh, I didn't realize last weekend's was a three-game series. Yeah, last, oh, last weekend's was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But LJ, as for the the equality of, of of play in this series, this is the pinnacle here. This is everything we wanted out of the last one, and I couldn't have complained about the last one a bit. No, I mean, that first game especially was absolutely fantastic, and it's only gotten better in this series. Now, of course, here we go again. An incredible common theme of the year, almost scary. The rubber match of the year so far is nowhere else but Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. Is that a little crazy? I mean, I just cannot believe they've gotten as many good games on great games on ESPN, not even just good, as they have so far this year. It's been, yeah, it's really bizarre. I think this is the fourth week of Sunday Night Baseball, and the only real bad game, and it wasn't even bad, was Braves-Cubs. That was just kind of a, a blowout, but we there was still like five home runs in the first yeah. inning between both teams. Yeah it, was, so, yeah, it was six in the first two, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're uh, certainly getting entertaining games out there, and, I, and like I know that a lot of it is just luck with the schedule, but... Uh, ESPN has really hit a goldmine this year, and I think that that's going to draw in a lot more fans who were just casually watching, casually had on ESPN. You know, it's only good for the sport to see these two teams go at it. Uh, tomorrow night's pitching matchup with uh, Joe, Joe Musgrove, or excuse me, it's actually uh, tonight. That is uh, Dustin May and Joe uh, Musgrove uh, should be really good. I'm excited. These two teams have uh, just kept every time that one of them is losing. It just seems like I feel like a comeback is coming. I mean, the the offenses are too strong. There's just so much star power between the two teams that it just provides such entertaining games. The offenses want it too much, I think, is more of it than the talent. I mean, the talent's obvious, but both of these teams desperately want to win this series. They, they know that, I mean, the Dodgers have been the cream of the crop in the NL for years, and it's really always felt 
almost like a no doubter that they were going to make it to the World Series. I mean, can you think of, I struggle to think of a time since maybe 2016, even then they were a real competitor where they were not the clear favorite to win, where you didn't really feel good about their chances of making it to the World Series out of the NNL. Yeah, I, I, I honestly can't think of a year prior to that where I think that, I, I think you can make a case for them too in 2016. So oh, absolutely, yeah. That they they still had essentially this and I think that's what goes unmentioned is that this core for the, the Dodgers has relatively been the same year after year. Yeah, it's honestly an interesting cross sport um analysis here would be the uh, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation here. I mean, you got the Dodgers who've been the cream of the crop of this league, the, not, just, not just the division, the entire league for the past five or six years. Every, they, they walk into every season knowing that they're one of the favorites. And then if they execute, they're going to go to the world series. They're that talented. And now all of a sudden you've got a team in your very own division that everyone's talking about surpassing you. You don't want that happening. You don't want to hear that after everything you've done, after everything you've given them, given the uh, fans and the league from an entertainment value standpoint. So you're 100% right to be pissed. And then if you're the Padres, you have an incredibly devoted fan base now with all of the rough times that they've had over the past couple decades where they just weren't winning. You now have a really good team that is beloved by the fan base that you have. Not only do you want to win it for yourself, but you're, you've got to be overwhelmingly inspired by the strong fan support that you have around you. The fans that are going absolutely bonkers last year when they made the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, to see that fan base and, you know, us being able to talk to Roy and, and a Donovan, they're so they're they're just so into this team, you know. You can tell that it's all this that this has all just been been building up for them. It's been so long since they've had a really competitive team that it, it's just awesome to see the way that they the uh, the San Diego fan base has been this year. And uh, I mean, you gotta love Fernando Tatis two home runs in two straight games. I mean. He was kind of going cold there for a little, and people were starting to say he was slumping, and he said F you to, to all those people. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think people like me, we were right to question his ability. Of course, I did not get a chance to watch this game tonight. I was mostly focused on the top-ranked card tonight, but um, I haven't really seen. Has his swing – has he been swinging two-handed? Yeah, so yeah. his first home run last night, I don't know if you saw it, but that was like essentially at his knees, and he just does a two-hand golf swing off a Kershaw and just so much raw power that he's able to get in a swing like that. But he's, yes, he, he has yeah. gone with the two-handed approach. MLB Network did a wonderful, on MLB Tonight, wonderful analysis about how hard this would be and why it's necessary. Because coming off of everything going on with that shoulder, you'll see every single person that swings for power, the two things that they really have in common are, for in terms of generating that power, are the big leg kick, 
with the exception of maybe Bryce Harper. Actually, no, Bryce Harper does do it outside of O2 counts. Um, and the one-handed finish, because when you do that, you're able to get more length on the swing, more power through that swing. And so a lot of guys struggle mightily trying to learn that when they have to. Of course, Fernando Tatis, if he kept doing the one-handed swing, it was only going to make recovery from that shoulder injury worse. So you're good. Hold on. Sorry. I'm sorry. I just had to shut the window. I'm not even going to cut this out. We just had a little break in the action there. But yeah, uh, I just honestly, you know, I could have played that off if I just did not get so distracted by the moving camera. Um, <laughs> really good. Aloof. Uh, what do you call it? What was I saying? Oh, I was talking about the swing. Yeah. So if he kept swinging one one handed and using that shoulder only to stop his momentum, it was just going to have the same issue. So no one expected him to adjust the swing so easily. So many of these guys like Chris Bryant and stuff, they can't adjust to it at all, either at all or that easily. So it's absolutely fantastic. Now, Brandon, I wrote this in later on in the show, but do we have time to talk about his home run celebration? Absolutely. I mean, hey, let's go long on the Padres and Dodgers. That's why I I put it right here at the start so we can get everything out out that we want to say, because I'm pretty sure for the title for this one, it's it's got to be about Fernando Tatis. I mean, he's so hot these last two Fernando Tatis with one eye, like Mike Wazowski. Honestly, that is the... I, I just wasn't expecting it. I'm not sure even how to describe it. It's just the most Fernando Tatis. It's the most modern baseball thing I could ever see. For those who didn't watch the game, basically when he hit that home run off Trevor Bauer, he's walking around the bases with one of his eyes closed and covered up, signaling back to that uh, inning in spring training where he started pitching with one eye open and like, just absolutely trolling Trevor Bauer. I didn't see that coming. What makes it even funnier is in the interviews later on in that evening after the game, Trevor Bauer is the winning pitcher. But when they bring that up, he's talking about how pitchers who get mad at home run celebrations are soft. However, he's saying it with one of the most angry faces I've ever seen off of him. So like he was low-key pissed to even be thinking about that home run it clearly triggered him while he's not going to get like upset and offended by it. It clearly triggered him. El Nino, man. He, he's where it's at. He is the future of this game and he's going to make it a lot more fun. Yeah. You know, we, we had talked about a couple of days ago, how you were saying you kind of underrated Ronald Acuna. I'm not going to lie. I kind of underrated for Fernando Tatis. Like, I knew that he was good coming into this year. I was just a little bit skeptical because he still hadn't played a full 162 games. And what he's done so far, at least these last few nights, have been really impressive. Not only that, I mean, you have to absolutely love the the celebration, first of all. That's what's making people want to watch the game is those kind of things. And not only that, but for Trevor Bauer to clap back and be like as mad as he was in that post-game presser is just like, 
you know, you would say that Tatis absolutely got the reaction out of Trevor Bauer that, that he wanted. I mean, that's exactly what he wanted to do there. That's exactly what he wanted. However, it also wasn't a bad look on Trevor Bauer by any means. No, oh no, not he's at all. Fully right to be triggered by it. He's fully right to be pissed, but not upset, not offended. That's just a whiner's, as he said, soft. It's a whiner's excuse out of stepping up and admitting to your actions. I guarantee you with Trevor Bauer, what's going to happen from this is you're going to see a far more motivated Trevor Bauer, both next time he comes out and next time he plays the Padres, he's going to want all of Tatis not to hit him, of course, which a lot of these guys that just get offended by and mad about these uh, home runs, newfangled home run celebrations, they're going to have somebody else retaliate on him for taking too long to route the bases and all this stuff. No, he's going to go out there and he's going to do everything in his power to give, to make him look absolutely stupid at the plate. And I absolutely love that. I guarantee you that's where this goes. Uh, Can I bring up one last thing about Trevor Bauer that I found interesting? Yes. So um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Trevor Bauer has faced Manny Machado quite a few times in his career. And um, so when, when Bauer was on a Cleveland, he faced his fair share of him, uh, when, when Manny Machado was on the Orioles. And I'm having trouble finding the exact stat here because I don't have that advanced uh, baseball uh, reference account. But Manny Machado has, like, absolutely killed Trevor Bauer over the years. And they have uh, joked about it in person quite a few times, Trevor Bauer saying that his career ERA would be one less than uh, it, than it is if he didn't have to face Manny Machado. Tonight, he threw Manny Machado 13 straight sliders in a row. Like, the same pitch, just over and over and over again. I mean, the way that we're seeing a pitcher's approach some of these hitters now is crazy. I talked about it a couple days ago with the, the Yankees lineup, but it's like – so many pitchers are just throwing off speed as their primary pitch now. Like that's that's how they're getting strike one and strike two, it seems. So I don't know. I just love um, that approach. The fact that he he didn't care and was was gonna throw him 13 sliders in a row until he got the result that he wanted. Uh pretty cool. Just you know, especially for a guy who is who's who's killed him his entire career. Uh cool for Bauer, cool for Manny Machado. Uh Overall, I just love everything about these two teams. Yeah, I have those numbers here for you. In 23 plate appearances, he's slashing 632, 696, 1.368 for a 206.4 OPS with four home runs. It's pretty good. That's, That's okay. Yeah. That's really okay. Some interesting names up at the top of this list. Hyun Jin Ryu. He's two for two with a double against him for a uh, um, 2.500 OPS. Wow. It's impressive. Off a Bauer. Love it. What else? Um, Mike Leake is also one for two. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Pitchers who rake, baby. Aaron Nola, one for one. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're always searching for your next great adventure, or seeking answers to complex questions, if you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. See yourself here. To double. Pitchers who rake. All right. I think that that was enough on the oh, yeah, Padres yeah. and Dodgers. We can do We're not an, a Padres another... podcast. And no. we're probably not, I don't think we're a Dodgers podcast, are we? No, but we can do another breakdown like this for the Sunday night game uh, when we do tomorrow's episode. As, uh, that one should be really exciting. But we have 13 other games to talk about, so uh, let's none get more, on to it. None more important than the others. Orioles and Athletics. The A's outscored the O's 4-1 to one in the early innings before a Jed Lowry three-run piece. The A's win their 13th straight, 7-2. Give the win to Chris Bassett. He went six innings, allowing two earned runs and eight Ks. The loss will go to John Means, who went one and two-thirds of an inning, allowing four earned runs. Brandon, have you ever seen such a furious comeback from everyone pronouncing you dead within a week? No. 13 wins just to to be sitting at one and six on the year. And it's like, man, like we're still five games under 500, no matter which way you look at it. And it's it like, all right, let's seven. just go win. Third. Oh, was it, was it a one and seven? Yeah. They started one and seven in the year. They lost their first six, one, one lost one. They're down six. They're six games under or whatever. And six they go four. and they win 13 in a row. Uh, this this run is absolutely incredible. I think the longest win streak we saw, it was maybe the summer of 2017 or 2018. The uh, Cleveland Indians won 22 games in a row. Uh, but we're not, awesome, we're, not close enough to, we're not close enough to talk about that yet. But no. I just think it's absolutely hilarious. That so many people were so ready to pronounce them dead because of how bad they looked that first week. And then this happens. It's great. It's awesome. On to the Indians and the Yankees. This was the pitcher's duel that we all expected between uh, Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber. Uh, It was very nice for the time of game. This one ended pretty quick, honestly, but let's get into it. Uh, Cleveland scored one run off of a Garrett Cole in on a Eddie Rosario single in the bottom of the fourth. But then in the top of the fifth, the Yankees hit two home runs off of Shane Bieber. Those coming from Aaron Hicks and Rugnetto Door, they both go yard for the second night in a row. That made it two to one Yankees, and that would be your final with both pitchers pitching excellent. Here's the lines. You can give the win to a Garrett Cole, who's now three and one on the year. He went seven innings, allowing three hits. One run and striking out 11 batters, well over 110 pitches. And you can give the loss to Shane Bieber, 
who's now two and two on the year. He goes seven innings, allowing four hits, two runs, both on home runs, and striking out nine Ks. He pitched uh, up until 120 pitches. Uh, I was surprised how long they 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 left him in, but he got out of that seventh inning. So, uh, yeah, he is one hell of a pitcher. Shane Shane Bieber is awesome to watch in person. A lot of off-speed stuff. Uh, really, really fun watch. Uh, then you can give the save to Jonathan Loizaga. Uh, the the Yankees choose not to use Chapman for the third day in a row, which, hey, I actually like that. Uh, Loizaga gets his first save of the year. He goes uh, four outs. The Yankees now sit at 9-11 and 11 and are winners of three straight. The Indians are now 8-11. and 11. Today's pitching matchup in the series finale is Jamison Tyone going for the Yankees, and he'll face Tristan McKenzie as the Yankees look for a four-game sweep. I say if they if they were to use him uh, if they were to use him three days in a row, it'd be like they were turning him into the new Chad Green. Just yeah, replacing, just replacing him while he's still on the roster. If I'm correct, Brandon, is that 57 strikeouts so far this year for Shane Bieber? Uh, yes. So he or er, so he was at 48, 48 yeah, 48 plus nine. Yeah, he is at a 57, and I believe that's five starts now yes. that he's made. Fantastic. Again, a fantastic start of the year. It's going to be a really intriguing race this entire year for Cy Young. I don't think we are, we personally have seen this deep of a top tier pitching group in our lives. I mean, of course you had all those years, uh, Scherzer, Kershaw, Verlander, Strasburg, those guys, but they aren't, nearly what we are potentially seeing here with guys like Burns, with Bieber, with Cole, with DeGrom. I mean, this is just a fantastic era for pitchers in an era that's already so focused on long ball or strikeout, which just makes them look even better. So it's a lot of talent mixed with some really good play. Uh, One other thing, a real quick MLB Daily Baseball League update on probably the most brutal story of the day, Brandon, team What a Bohm, named after Alec Bohm, had six starters today. Ooh. None of them got wins. Oh. Including oh. Blake Snell and Shane Bieber, who pitched absolute gems and got the loss. So, I mean, F in the chat there. That's That's just a really, really rough scene to have that to have everything aligned so perfectly and none of it work out well. There's a guy that I'm going to talk about a later in, in my last game recap, who the fact that he didn't get a win or a loss tonight is, is crazy, but uh, yeah, we can, um, we can move on. All right. The Mariners and the Red Sox, Nathan Uvalde got all he could handle allowing four earned runs in five innings, as well as another unearned off of a Xander Bogart's error. The Red Sox did some window dressing in the seventh and ninth to lose eight to two. Give the win to Chris Flexen. He went seven innings, allowing one earned run and seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to Nathan Eovaldi, who went five innings, allowing four earned runs. Brandon, there's a lot I can say here. I'm not going to address the offense because it's a streaky game. 
they're a very good offensive team. We've known that for a while, and that will prove out ultimately over the season. My bigger concern is overall the amount of innings that this bullpen might take this year. Like, don't get me wrong, they are far improved from last year where they were one of the worst in the modern era. Um, Right, of course, actually two underneath the Phillies, but they were still in that top five. However, you so you improve that, but then also we're now looking at a team where the bottom three guys in this rotation aren't consistently making it five innings. Like most teams, if you're you want this guy, even if you're going to be two, twice through the rotation, you want him to consistently be four in that case, if not consistently be able to get you five innings, even if it might not be pretty. Brandon, if they didn't have Martin Perez, who's normally a great pitcher, if he wasn't going three and a third the day before, they don't leave Ivaldi in that long on a day where he just did not have his best stuff there. That happens, but and usually you can move on. But you see in this scenario where you kind of had to bring him five because you don't want to completely overload the bullpen this early. Yeah, uh, we saw, I mean – Essentially, so in in a 2021, these first few weeks, the the Yankees bullpen has been overused a lot. And that's going to be a problem for some teams this year who weren't able to get enough depth in in their starting rotation. I mean, this is a year where we're expecting starters to throw less innings than they ever have. And if you don't have a good enough uh, like guys to come out of the bullpen every day and you don't have enough quality arms, that's it's it's gonna kill a lot of teams late in the year when these guys have already pitched in 50, 60 games and it's September 1st and you already have two re- relievers who are essentially done for the year. I mean, we've seen it happen with the the Yankees in the last couple of years, they're guys like Chad Green, Adam Ottavino are just burnt out by the, the playoffs. And it's just like you hate to see it, especially over the course of such a long year. But things like that happen. And that's why a pitching depth is so valuable now, because you just don't want stuff like that to happen in the playoffs. There's no reason to get to the playoffs if you're going to have things like that lose you games. Death, taxes, and Chad Green in a Yankees game. The only things that, only three things that are absolute. Absolutely. Uh, let's get on to the Reds and the Cardinals. The only runs of this game came from St. Louis. The first was a single by Nolan Arenado in the first inning to make it 1-0. The other came from an Andrew Kisner a double. That made it 2-0 Cardinals, and that would be your final. Both pitching staffs holding each other in check the whole day. Give the win to John Gant, who's now 1-2. and two. He goes six innings, allowing three hits, no runs, and five Ks. The loss to Wade Miley, who's now 2-2. Two and two. He goes six innings, allowing five hits, two runs, and two strikeouts. The save goes to Giovanni Gallegos. He gets a six-out save, his first of the year. The Cardinals improved to 500 at 10 and 10. The Reds are now 9 and 11 and losers of six straight. 
Today's matchup is Luis Castillo taking on Jack Flaherty. In the Pirates and Twins, the Pirates pretty much always had this one in hand. They out hit Minnesota seven to three and won the game six to two. Give that win to Trevor Cahill, who went six innings, allowing one earned run. The loss will be given to Michael Pineda, who went four and a third of an inning, allowing four earned runs and five strikeouts. Brandon, this is another loss for a, a Twins team. Again, it's a lot of fun to overreact to the first couple of weeks of the season, but I genuinely did think we had something there. Maybe it was just me being me convincing myself during our preseason uh, outlook on the Twins, but I think I think we all came, we came out. We saw the guys that we needed to see step up and be top of the line MLB players like uh, Jose Barrios and the center fielder. Uh, uh, Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton, thank you. Come out and look like all-stars that they needed to be for this Twins team to be successful. And then all of a sudden this team has just come to a screeching halt. Yeah, it's uh, – Oh, they they did win the other day, but if I'm correct, yeah, they're two and eight in their last ten so far. This yes. is this is just a complete collapse, worse than worse than even the Astros, who have fallen back to earth after playing a cold Oakland team. This is just as a team, they do not look like at all what was promised outside of those two. Yeah, the Twins' offense uh, in their last four games, they've gotten shut out twice uh, and scored two runs in the other which was today they lose that game to Oakland on Wednesday 13 to 12 uh, a loss like that can't happen no absolutely no no uh, reason why you can score uh, 12 runs and not win actually now that I look at it so in their last five games they've gotten shut out uh, three times because uh, you remember LJ uh, they had that that a double header against Oakland when they got mm-hmm. shut out in both seven inning games there yes uh, yeah this twins offense really needs to get going I mean the fact that they can't get going against the Pirates scares me but um, yeah uh, two and eight in their last ten is not good but we were saying the same thing about Oakland you know just a couple weeks ago so it's still early like you said too early to make crazy overreactions. But what I can tell you is that the twins are not hitting well right now. No. And it's just funny because first off overreactions are fun. I love them. Oh yeah. um, It's what builds the entire sports media world. So, I mean, (laughs) yeah, we kind we kind of, we kind of are required, but I just find it funny because we've been seeing over these past couple of years, them win the division, make the playoffs or the wild card with these teams that lacked that big piece. They lacked that sophomore or junior Byron Buxton making that next level step that they needed to and be a quality leader on the team. They lacked Jose Barrios being the ace. They end up going out to get Kenta Maeda instead to kind of fill in some of that. Now all of a sudden you've got them performing. Jose Barrios has got a uh, three ERA. That's not not shabby. That's that's more close to what I'd like to see. And he can he certainly has made his share of mistakes. He could be better. Uh, Byron Buxton still has a fourteen hundred OPS. So 
that you can't ask for too much more out of those guys. It's the rest of the team that's always been the kind of consistently solid piece of them that isn't performing right now. Yeah, uh, totally agree. You know, it's you can only get so much from those star players and there's a lot of guys who could who could really step up. And, you know, you you will look at that offense, especially that that uh, that uh, lineup. I mean, guys like Max Kepler, Josh, Josh Donaldson, Byron Buxton, Luis Arias, uh, Nelson Cruz. I mean, there's just so much talent up and down the 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 lineup that it, you would have to assume it, at, at some point they're they're going to figure it out. Yeah. All right, on to the the Brewers and the Cubs. After a Nico Horner a double in the second that scored two for the Cubs, the the Brewers got those runs back on a bases loaded walk and then a bases loaded hit by pitch. So that scores two runs, and we be tied two two after the fifth. In the seventh, the Brewers took a took the lead four to two on a Manny Pena home run. Jason Hayward would hit a home run, but he couldn't spark a Cubs comeback, and they lose four to three. Give the win to Brent Suter, who's now two and one out of the on the year. Uh, he was the first pitcher out of the Milwaukee bullpen. He goes two innings, uh, two scoreless to get the win. Uh, the Milwaukee starter Brandon Woodruff goes, or excuse me, uh, Freddie Peralta. Goes four innings, allowing five hits and two earned, striking out seven. Give the loss to Andrew Chafin, 0-1 on the year. He comes out of the Cub, Cubs bullpen, two-thirds of an inning, two hits, two runs. Josh Hader gets his fourth save on the year, and that win gives the, the, the Brewers a 12-8 and record. The Cubs now fall to 510-10. and Today's matchup is a Brandon Woodruff versus Jake Arrieta. Two pitchers who have both pitched a very well this year. Astros and Angels. The Strohs got three runs off of Griffin and Canning in the first inning. Then in LA's half of the second, Poolhole said, My name's Alan. I hit Dingers, a 391 foot solo piece. In the final following inning, Otani said, Shohei the money and put another solo piece out. Things went downhill from there as Alex Bregman booted Canning from the game with a three-run homer. The Astros went on to win 16-2. Give the win to Kent Emanuel, who went eight and two-thirds of an inning, allowing two earned runs and striking out five batters. The loss will be given to Griffin Canning, who, of course, went two and a third of an inning, allowing six earned runs. Jake Odorizzi left the game Houston starter after five pitches with forearm tightness. Brandon, we've kind of been uh, foreshadowing this type of game for a while now for the Angels. I mean, it, it had to it, it had to be coming. They've been ha- hanging on with this pitching staff for a little too long now for my taste. It's just not good enough. But again, we probably shouldn't beat that dead horse too early in the season. Yeah, no, they got – rocked around pretty good but I think that I'd see I thought you were going to bring up Jake Odorizzi because yesterday we talked about could his, could his a season get any worse than it is I it, it got better no I, 
See, are we saying that that these five pitches where he got one out is that better it's, than we thought? Because he did get hurt. Like, does that help or hurt the Astros? Do we think? I think that it has to hurt them in a way, but in also, a way, but with like and, with the way he's been pitching, not as much as you would think. No, from from a single from a. Oh, a short, all right, from a short-term standpoint, no, because we did not have to see a full Jake Odorizzi start. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When you want an easy way to feel like a chef in your own home, try Blue Apron's two and four serving menu plans so you're always cooking something new and enjoying fresh seasonal ingredients. Choose from an ever-changing mix of premium recipes, chef favorites, family-friendly options, WW recommended, and more. Get $130 off across your first six orders, plus your first order ships free when you visit blueapron.com slash blueculinary. medium term where they don't have Kent Emanuel now for a couple of days in that bullpen, that's going to be a bit of an issue. But again, long-term, we'll talk about this more in the PPP. They may have found a real gem there with Kent Emanuel. So long-term, this could be a benefit to have him get that, this kind of uh, surprise game under his belt that could lead to a little more. So yeah, I think it's certain. This, these five only throwing five pitches helped Odorizzi's season, helped the helped the Astros win this game, and hopefully helped them identify Kent Emanuel as a long term piece here. Yeah, the thing with Kent Emanuel, uh, so I saw this exact same like something very similar to this happen with the the Yankees in the first week of the season, where Domingo Herman got a start. He only went three innings, allowing three earned runs. The Yankees then bring in a Mike King, who goes six scoreless. Well, it was a fantastic performance out of the, the bullpen. But then because you are going six innings, or in this case, almost nine full innings, you make it so you can't pitch for five days. So what the Yankees did then was send down Mike King to bring up another relief pitcher and I think the Astros could do the same thing no. here you you really don't think that they're going to send them down to because now you're an arm short for like a week like no we can't be an arm short for a week but Brandon you have to think about the difference between why they sent um, Michael King down or why they brought Michael King into the game and why they brought Emmanuel into the game there's a decent shot that Jake Odorizzi goes to the 10-day IL you might as well put him in there, give uh, give Emmanuel the next start, and bring in a reliever. All right, yeah, you could also do that too. I mean, I wasn't able to watch that game at all, but uh, eight and two thirds, only allowing two runs, is very strong. Yeah, so I mean, realistically, again, you don't have to go have him go that long too. You give him the four the the full rest time between. 
maybe cap them at say 60 pitches or twice through the order. And then all of a sudden you could reasonably have him do an inning, an inning start in not an inning start, but an inning of work in three days. That's not unheard of for them to give him a shortened rest period by doing less pitches in the next game. So I think it could work, could very well work around for him to stay on this roster. On to the Nats and the Mets. The Nationals put up seven runs in the first five innings, and that would be way more than enough for a victory. A sack fly from Yadiel Hernandez in the first, and then four RBI singles coming from Joe Ross, pitchers who rake, Kyle Schwarber, Starlin Castro, and then Yadiel Hernandez. Uh, That made it 5-0 Nats. Michael Conforto hit his first home run on the season, but that was the only run the Mets would score. The Nats win 7-1. Give the win to Joe Ross, who's now 2-1 on the year. Six innings, five hits, one run, four Ks. Loss goes to Marcus Stroman. This is the first time he's really gotten uh, bounced around this year. He was very, He looked very good coming into this game. He goes four innings, allowing eight hits, four earned, and four Ks. The Nats are now eight and ten. The Mets fall to five hundred at eight and eight. Today's matchup is Patrick Corbin taking on Taiwan Walker. All right, Blue Jays and Rays. Randall Grichuk went yard in the first for the first of three homers in the day, and it put the Jays up three to nothing. It took the next two home runs by Zanino and Brasso to tie the game for the Rays a tie that would last until the eighth inning in the eighth inning with runners on Kevin Biggio allowed a grounder to skeet through his legs and score the go ahead run. They'd add another in that inning and the Rays would win five to three, give the win to Ryan Thompson, the loss to Jordan Romano and that save to Andrew Kittridge, his first on the year. Of course, it's the error that gave the game away. But, Brandon, do you think he deserved the loss? I mean, two walks, you kind of have to – I feel I feel like when you're walking batters, it's a flip of a coin whether you, you – should, you should understand that it's a flip of a coin as soon as somebody makes contact with the ball of whether or not you're going to allow runs. Like, that should be accepted. I mean, that, that guy who got the loss for Toronto, let's see, one of those runs is still earned. I mean, it's not entirely on on a cabin Biggio, but was it earned? One of the two runs that he allowed was earned, so they allowed four earned runs. So mm-hmm. even if you just take earned runs, they still lose this game. Toronto does, but um, yeah, Cavan Biggio, I, I you know I hate to see it because I I really think that this guy is going to be good. He's just having a tough start to this year. I mean, he does go three for five today, but that only raises his average to 175 and OPS to 621. I mean, it's just a tough start for him. That's all it is. Yeah, and again, he's in a market where it's not like he can – I'm not saying he he can get away with it, but if they can see the talent, the Toronto market is going to be a lot more forgiving than, say, New York would be towards a guy that's struggling so if he can get through this work through it and prove to be the better player that he is on the other side during this season it's only going to help his development 
onto the Phillies and the Rockies. Trevor Story got the Rockies on the board first with a sack fly in the first inning. The Rockies would squander that lead early, though, as in the third, the Phillies score four runs. They got a Reese Hoskins home run, a D.D. Gregorius single, and an Alec Bohm sack fly to take a 4-1 to lead after three innings. In the bottom of the fifth, the Rockies would tie it up on an RBI, excuse me, on an RBI ground out, and then a home run from Ryan McMahon, his seventh on the season. Tied 4-4 to in the top of the sixth, Reese Hoskins goes yard again, this time a three-run blast to put the game out of reach, and the Phillies win 7-5. to Give the win to Aaron Nola, who's now 2-1 and one on the year. He goes seven innings, allowing six hits, four runs, and four Ks. The loss goes to Julius Chachin out of Colorado's bullpen. He's now 0-1 on the year. He goes two-thirds of an inning, allowing two hits and three runs. The save to Hector Neris, his third. The Phillies are now... 500 at 10 and 10, and the Rockies fall to 7 and 13. Today's series finale has Chase Anderson taking on John Gray. Just something I didn't notice until recently. Frankly, I didn't realize he was still in the league. Uh, Julius Chassin. I mean, what a fall from grace. I mean, you looked at you look at him in San Diego and Milwaukee back in 2017 and 18. He's really he really looked like he was starting to become something even at 2930 starting to become a valuable member of a bullpen or not bullpen a starting rotation somebody that you really want to have around and then it's really been largely downhill from there I mean you go you go from third being the League leader in starts with 35 in 2018, a 3.50 ERA to a 6.01 in 25 starts in the next year. This has just been a, it's been a wild ride for him, really his entire career. The more you look at it, yeah. And LJ, me and you have both had, or me and you have both got to experience the Julius Chachin experience. Um, he was on the Yankees spring training team this year. So Mm. I'm not very far removed from watching him pitch uh, for the Yankees in spring training. Uh, He really didn't pitch bad, but there just wasn't a spot for him on this 40-man roster. LJ, in 2019, he played for the Red Sox, apparently. Am I, like, I have absolutely zero recollection of him making five starts on that team I don't blame you for having zero recollection for him having five starts on that team I don't have a recollection of him being on that team (laughs) interesting this is genuinely as as I'm looking at his stats this is news to me that he played for the Red Sox like the only pitcher I can remember them bringing in that year was Andrew Kashner this says August 31st, signed as a free agent with the Red Sox. So he just pitched September for you guys in a year. Oh, that was- okay, yeah, because they were already out of it at that point. So they probably just brought him in. Did Sale finish that year? 2019? I don't know. I know you guys didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, Ivaldi wasn't in the rotation anymore. But that was filled by Kashner. 
Erod had his wins, his 19 wins. So Sale gets hurt in 2019, right? Because that's the injury he's coming back from, correct? That must have that must have been the added spot in the rotation. Plus, of course, a lot of teams do end up opening it up to being six, five, six or five and a half men in that rotation come September call-ups and all. So I'm not overly surprised, but it's just it was news to me. <laughs> Certainly an interesting factoid for 3 a.m. in the morning. Love it. 3 a.m. in the morning. Love 3 a.m. in La Manana. Um, yeah, so Rangers White Sox. In the sixth inning, Yoan Mankata scored on a wild pitch, which broke the scoreless tie. In the eighth, Ranger Cole Calhoun hit a solo piece to tie the game, but it was Nick Madrigal's RBI double in the ninth that walked it off for Chicago. Give the win to Liam Hendricks, the loss to John King. Dallas Keuchel went six innings, allowing zero earned runs. Kyle Gibson went six innings and allowed one earned run. Kyle Gibson having a really underrated year. I'll talk about him in the PPP, actually. I'll throw him on there. Uh, yeah, I feel like I did have something I wanted to add. I can't remember what it was. And well, well we, we can uh, remember on the PPP in like yeah. two minutes. Uh the Marlins and the Giants, after a scoreless first four innings, Austin Slater had an RBI ground out to make it 1-0 San Francisco after five innings. John Birdie would hit his first home run in the, of the year in the seventh inning to tie the game at one. In the ninth, the Marlins offense would come alive as Jesus Aguilar homered, Corey Dickerson tripled, and then John Birdie with a sack fly. That made it 5-1 Miami. A Mike Jastrzemski home run would not be enough for San Francisco. They lose 5-2. The win goes to Dylan Floro, who uh, goes one inning out of the Miami bullpen. The loss goes to a Gregory Santos uh, out of the San Francisco bullpen. He is unable to record an out and allows two hits and three runs. LJ, the top I don't even. I guess the I, the guy who really should have gotten a win in this one is uh, San Francisco starter Kevin Gosman. Eight yeah. inning of two hit one run ball, striking out eleven, and he gets a no decision. Tough. Yeah, that's, that, that's brutal. I mean, it, it's brutal under any circumstances when you are able to go and be eligible for the win and only have one or two runs. However, to put the amount of effort, the amount of pitches, the amount of time that it takes to go eight innings and then not be rewarded for that is just, it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, even past the two hits, yeah. So that means if you're only getting two hits, the 11 strikeouts too, that's a minimum of 33 pitches right there on those strikeouts. So the pitch count must have been pretty high. I'm imagining it was over 100. That's just pure assumption at this point in time but yeah there's no good reason for that not to have been his win but again let's mention the fact fantastic start to the year for Kevin Gosman yeah you know he uh he really didn't get talked about a lot this offseason he accepts that qualifying offer from the Giants which is I believe 19 million dollars for one year 
uh, which is a lot. But the fact that they extended it to him shows the the confidence that they have in him. And uh, yeah, has been pitching really good. Uh, I'm kind of happy that he stayed in San Francisco and chose not to test free agency because we saw what happened to a guy like Jake Odorizzi when that happened. Sometimes just just uh, keeping the guy put in the same place is uh, a lot uh, better for him than having him make a uh, change of scenery, especially so late in his career. I mean, it's not, I guess it's not that late because uh, Kevin Gosman's only 30, but still uh, happy that he's pitching well for uh, San Francisco. That Miami win puts them at nine and 11 and the giants fall to 13 and eight. It will be Logan Webb going for the giants and he will face a to be determined starter for Miami today. All right, let's get into these Royals and Tigers. This is the game I actually had the comment for. I got a little confused there. Got the it. Royals scored two runs in the fifth, and then the only other score in the game came off a Willie Castro home run for Detroit. But let's talk about the pitching in this 2-1 Royals win. The win will be given to Brady Singer. He went seven innings, allowing one earned run and eight strikeouts. The loss will be given to Matthew Boyd, who went eight innings on one earned run with three strikeouts. The other run was unearned after a throwing error by Victor Reyes. The save will be given to Josh Stalmont. But this just goes to another theme, something I look at heavily when I'm looking at box scores, not necessarily a statistics page, because there's really not something that's like clear and obvious. There's not like a whip that necessarily tells me this. The difference that I see right ahead in those two lines, seven innings, one earned, eight Ks, eight innings, one earned, three Ks, even though Matthew Boyd went another inning and had the same amount of runs he's responsible for as Brady Singer, Brady Singer clearly had the better game there. In my, in my opinion, Brandon, you might agree with me, you might disagree, because I think strikeouts get completely underrated in these scenarios other than just as something fun. You have to think about the fact that every strikeout, there's 27 outs in a game. Every single strikeout, all eight of those strikeouts mean that there was only 19 plays in that game, not counting, or actually let's go with just what he put in, the work he put in. So Brady Singer, seven innings, so 21 outs. Of those 21 outs, only 13 of them had to have a play made by somebody else. The strikeout is much less just a fun thing to make to make sure no base runners advance. It's a self-reliance thing, a self-sufficiency thing where you're not relying on your teammates who you certainly should. You shouldn't be trying to do it hero ball, but you don't you shouldn't have to rely on your teammates for every single out of the game. That's how you get into situations like Matthew Boyd did where a couple of hits end up into some fluky runs and all of a sudden you've got a 2-1 loss on your hands purely because of contact. Yeah, uh, I kind of agree with you. Uh, I'd say that, that, that a Brady Singer did pitch the, the better game today. Uh, Matt Boyd, like like you said, eight innings and three Ks. Um, so if you go on Baseball Savant, you can look at any box score for any game, and it shows you uh, what they consider hard hits. Uh, 
against each pitcher. So Matt Boyd had seven balls that were hit off of him that were considered hard hits. Now these can be outs. These can be anything. It's just the ball got hit hard. Uh, as for a Brady Singer, he had six. So yes, uh, he allowed less um, hard contact than Matt Boyd, and that he also had more swings and misses than Matt Boyd. So I would say yeah, but sometimes LJ, there's a guy like a like a Kyle Hendricks who is Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He might only strike out three or four guys in a nine inning span, but he allows such weak contact and so many ground balls that he's effective in his own way. But we're seeing now more pitchers be much more effective when they strike out more guys. But yeah, I'd certainly say that if you're going to, uh, you know, uh, sort of assume that a pitcher didn't throw as well because he didn't have as many strikeouts, you kind of got to go a little deeper just to see how many hard hits they allowed. Also, real quick, uh, with with a Brady Singer, me and LJ were talking about a, a about a yesterday how some pitchers coming out of the the bullpen really only need two or three pitches. How about this? A Brady Singer seven innings today, only threw two pitches the whole day: sinker and slider. It works for him, so it's cool. I mean, a two pitch starter. He he does have a changeup, but. He didn't throw it at all today. So pretty interesting. Yeah, Brandon, I think my point there wasn't necessarily that nothing else mattered as much as it was for people who are not nearly as obsessed with stats Mm. as some baseball fans are, the, the people that want a more casual experience. You can see everything you really need to in most scenarios to see who's performing well. I mean, in, especially in close situations. I'm not saying strikeouts are everything because there's so many other spots in the game. I'm just saying in this situation where nearly every other number is the same, the self-sufficiency of Brady Singer is the reason that he won out, is a lot of the reason he won out. Oh, yeah. Uh, totally agree with that. Uh, we have... One last game that got postponed to today, and that is the Diamondbacks and the Braves. So that will be a seven-inning doubleheader today. But, LJ, uh, I think we can get on to the PPP. Uh, PPP. I have a hitter and a pitcher. You have two pitchers. Actually, I have two two pitchers and one hitter, and you have um, two pitchers. So, uh I'll start with my guy uh, first. I'm going to go with Kevin Gaussman. Uh Just talked about him a little bit, but his season stats this year, he started five games, almost 33 or almost 34 innings pitched, 34 strikeouts, a 2.14 ERA, and a 0.86 whip. Uh, the, the Giants, uh, um, I guess unless you consider a Johnny Cueto, 
they don't really have that guy who is their who is an ace. And uh, Kevin Gosman has come out this year and proved, like, look, I I am the ace of this giant staff. Like he pitched well last year, and pitching very well this year, especially with a Johnny Cueto. Like like I said, he was the ace, but of course he had me and LJ talked about he had that strained lat. He's on the IL now, uh, so they need him. They needed him to step up in a big way. I'm so happy. Like I said, so happy that he stayed with the Giants. Uh, such a great pickup from from Cincinnati heading into that 2020 season, and uh, he's shown he's been really good. Yeah, I I certainly wouldn't say that the ace role is defined by any means in San Francisco. It hasn't been since Madison Baumgartner left, and it probably won't be with the current group that's out there. However, you certainly cannot complain with a guy who's going to be able to give so many different looks or a team that's going to be able to give so many different looks. First off, Kevin Gosman, you know, he bounced around a bit. It's great to see him finally find this home where a couple tweaks and all of a sudden he is very, very successful. Hopefully this isn't just a flash in the pan. Hopefully there is some more progression to meet somewhere in the middle between the 362 ERA he had last year and the 245 he's got going right now. But it's certainly exciting to have two wildly different pitchers in Kevin Gosman and Johnny Cueto being your top two guys. Yeah, I agree. Um, the next guy I've got here, Emmanuel Kent. Of course, we talked about him. Uh, Jake Odorizzi went five pitches, got one out in the game, and then left with the forearm tightness. Emmanuel Kent came in and decided, I'm just going to take the rest of the game. He goes eight and two-thirds of an inning, allowing two earned runs and five strikeouts. Brandon, I don't, I don't know how to really quantify how hard it is to step in as a reliever who does not have that same warm-up, who does not have that same mentality, mentality that day as a starter would to come in and pitch like this for this long spurt. Yeah. Spurt uh, duration. It's certainly when I, when I saw eight and two thirds, I was like, wow. And then I realized that it was Jake Odorizzi who got hurt for whatever reason. I thought that Kent was the starter. And my first thought was why would they pull him with one out left? But when I saw what actually happened, I was very, very impressed. Uh, look, I mean, like you said, it's that's extremely tough to do, especially when you come to the ballpark that day thinking that you're going to be coming out of the bullpen. And while you do come out of the bullpen, it's certainly not in the way that you expected it uh, and be so early. So, yeah, props to him. That was an awesome performance today. My second guy, I just mentioned that I wanted to talk about him, and that's Kyle Gibson. Uh, so, LJ, if you remember a couple days ago, I found that stat where for pitchers who had gone 20 innings and had not allowed a home run yet, uh, and Kyle Gibson was uh, on that list, he has now gone 27 and a third this year without allowing a home run. And those innings have been very strong. Uh, through five starts, that's a 2.3 ERA. Uh, 23 Ks, a 1.17 whip, 
and the expected uh, stats from a baseball savant do him very well also. He's in the top 15 percentile in hard hit percentage, expected ERA, barrel percentage, uh, and expected weighted on base average. So uh, Kyle Gibson, a guy who, you know, not a lot of people talked about uh, on the Twins because he, to be honest, was just average. I mean, he he had never really showed anything of him being above average. Comes to the Rangers, has kind of a tough 2020, lost six games, but has been really good this year. And, uh, yeah, it kind of needs to be talked about. I mean, for a guy to have this big of a comeback within a year, uh, at least so far, looking pretty good for him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you were going into that situation saying – Somebody for the good of the franchise, for the good of the fans, has to step up. And he was one of the favorites to do it, and he has. My next guy is another um, really actually probably my favorite reclamation project of the year, favorite comeback of the year, Chris Flexen. Not only a great name, but turning into a great player. Of course, he spent the 2017 through 2019 seasons with the Mets playing a little bit. And the big issue was they didn't give him a defined role. I mean, I think it works better. Doing the whole swingman thing works great for a lot of older players. But when you're coming up and they're not really sure where they want to play you, you're not getting definitive spots. I mean, let's look. 2017, played in nine games or played in 14 games, started nine. 2018, played in four games, started one. 2019, nine games, started one. So, of course, he wasn't like a full-time guy on this team anywhere except for part of 2017. But they still just would not pick something, let him excel and grow there before trying to move him around. And that caused his numbers to severely suffer through all those years. Very high ERA, very low ERA plus, of course. Um, but then anyway, for 2020, he goes over to the KBO. He gets treated like an, really like an ace for them, at least one of their top starting pitchers for his team. And that gave him the confidence, I think, to grow into what he could be and where that potential always was. So now he comes back to Seattle with a significantly lower ERA than ever, significantly more strikeouts per nine, way less walks, way less home runs. It's just a complete turnaround for him. I don't expect it to be this good all year, but I certainly expect him to be somewhere around average, wouldn't you think? With what you yeah, uh, and, you know, you make a great point about the, the swing men because while a guy like, like a David Price, who we've seen being used out of the, the Dodgers pen for – whether it's a few innings or closing out games, while someone like him is fully adept to uh, being able to do that, a guy like Chris Flexen, like early in your career, you can't really do that with these guys. And we saw the same thing with the the Yankees when a Jabba Chamberlain was coming up. Like, LJ, you were going through those stats about games started. How about this? Jabba Chamberlain, his... Rookie year, 19 games, all out of the bullpen. 2008, his second year, 
He has 42 games, starts in 12 of them. And that's when they were really screwing around with him. There was these things called the Jabba rules, where it was like for every inning that he threw out of the, the bullpen, he needed that many days rest until he could pitch again. And then they were also having him start games in there. Just very strange the way they treated him. And honestly, I still contend to this day, he could have been an ace. The, the Yankees just screwed around with him too much. And all I'm going to say for people who say that he couldn't have been an ace, go and watch him pitch in the World Series and tell me that that stuff was not, uh, I mean, ace quality. Because it really was. But, yeah, I'm happy for Chris Flexen to be back from the KBO. Uh, you know, there's just an example of a guy who took every opportunity that, that he got. And now that he's back in the league, uh, it's awesome to see. Yeah, um, a couple of examples just – situationally of this kind of thing that we're talking about let's look at ways it was done right and one way it was done wrong in terms of giving a guy making a guy feel comfortable you've got first off I'm going to mention David Price I should warn all of these guys if at some point been Red Sox um David Price comes up his first major league experience was out of the bullpen for the 2008 race they've they then move him into the starting lineup or starting rotation very early on. I think he actually started there 2009, if I'm correct, and played there all the way up and played as a starter all the way up until uh, this season. That is the exact way it can go. You're better off getting a guy experience if you can, but certainly don't screw around with him. Give him a defined role as soon as possible, which they did. The second example I've got here is Drew Pomerantz. This is a guy who kind of floated around as a below average starter for most of his career early on, getting by journeyman, I believe, I want to say A's, Red Sox. Um, where else am I missing? But that's really not unimportant. He never really found himself being a quality player until he got moved to that bullpen far later in his career. He's spent now three seasons in 2019. So since he's been 30, Basically, he's been in the bullpen, and that has really served him well. But again, that was a switch later on. You don't move these guys into in and out of roles so early in the season is just or so early in their career before they're really comfortable with anything is crazy. My last guy is uh, Daniel Bard, the current closer of the Colorado Rockies. Bard, of course, came up with the Red Sox, looked very strong during his first couple years, 2009, 10, 11, coming out of the bullpen and really, of course, looked like a in, looked like he was in line to become a closer one day with how consistent and how good strong he was. That, of course, wasn't going to happen with the Red Sox after they made some of the moves that they made. And so in 2012, along with many other bad decisions, they decided to move him into the starting rotation. Moving from a starter, from a reliever where he'd excelled to being a starter was such a drastic change of mentality and attitude out there that he really just, he couldn't handle it. He did not perform nearly to the way he was. And that's what saw him out of the league for as long as he was before coming back with Colorado last year. So 
that is that is very similar to what they've been uh, what they were doing with Chris Flexen in New York, and hopefully he has been saved here. I think it's a little too early to tell, but I hope so. My last guy is Fernando Tatis Jr. Had to throw him on here. Uh, two home runs in the last two games. Uh, and now in his last seven games, so four home runs in a slash line of 320, 393, 840 slug percentage, which it gives him a 1.230 OPS. And of course, has the one-eye celebration rounding the bases. Uh, one of the most electric players in the league. And we're just so, so lucky to have not only him, but Soto and Acuna and the rest of the guys who are just so young and are, are going to put on a show for the next 10 to 15 years. That's Fernando Tatis with one eye. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Uh Let's get on to the leaderboards, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, for war, for hitters, Mike Trout has the lead with 1.6. Behind him is Ronald Acuna Jr. with 1.5. And just behind them is J.D. Martinez with 1.3. For pitchers, after today's start, a Garrett Cole takes sole possession of first place. He has 1.9. Jacob DeGrom with 1.8, Corbin Burns with 1.4. For the relief pitchers, we have Mark Melanson with 0.6. And then a four-way tie for second between Aroldis Chapman, James Karinchak, Scott Abarlo of the Kansas City Royals, and Craig Kimbrell. They all have 0.5. For home runs, we now have a four-way tie for first with seven, and that is between Ronald Acuna Jr., Nick Castellanos, J.D. Martinez, and Ryan McMahon. Also, something I found interesting. So, LJ, we have four guys with seven home runs and then 13 guys with six home runs. So it's starting to get close. Like, it's really anyone's lead. I mean, we could see some some guy hit two home runs today. Like, someone like – Shohei Otani or Reese Hoskins could easily be in the home run lead by uh, tomorrow. So still a very close race. And then uh, the last thing is home runs allowed, and that's Mike fulton with eight. But, uh, yeah, LJ, I'll let you take it away if you have anything to say about that. Yeah, really the last thing I have to say tonight is uh, where I think the home run race is going to end up going we're of course in a very home run run centered league right now. And so that's, that's, that's the way of the world. But with that being said, it's incredibly hard to hit a home run still, even if you're trying to expressly trying to do it. So what you're going to end up seeing is a far more competitive home run race down the stretch. I feel because the, the mean home run total is going to increase, but like the top 75%, the top end of it isn't going to be able to increase at the same rate as the mean. I I cannot imagine it can. So you're going to see more guys climbing closer to the top leaders late in the season. That's going to make up for a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's get out of here. Uh, Once again, thank you for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. I'm Brandon Karam on Twitter at Brandon underscore Karam. 
LJ is at LJ underscore VP underscore LaFiora. Uh, make sure you check out our podcast on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. And then make sure that you follow a Belly Up Sports on Twitter at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast. But that's going to do it for this one. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and enjoy some baseball today on this fine Sunday. Have a good night, everyone. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Set your future in motion at Chicago State University with over 70 degree and certificate programs, ample scholarship opportunities, and vibrant campus life. Chicago State University is Chicago's number one most affordable public university with a diverse faculty, small class sizes, and almost 50 student organizations, including NCAA Division I Athletics. At Chicago State, we provide you with the tools you need to succeed. Visit csu.edu admissions to learn how you can earn your freshman year tuition free.